You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 40 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. I was, I was a little weird saying 40, right? Like we've never done this many episodes. No, we're, this is a brave new world that we're in. It's <laughs> a brave so, new world. In so many ways. In so many ways. It's been, you know, we're, we're a little late in the podcast. We usually drop on Sunday, but... I know. But because well, of the goings-on in the world, we decided that we were going to uh, delay it by day because I was out. Well, you, you, you spent the weekends on the barricades in I, D.C. I was out in D.C. with two of my kids because we felt like we had to be there. Dude, this unbelievable. Was, this is a big moment in, in America. It's an, uh, and I got to be honest with you. I, I still wanted to be out there with you, but I'm too chicken. I was like, uh, pandemic virus. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, but everybody I'm glad wearing, you guys are out there. Everybody was wearing a mask. No. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know you saw Actually, Everybody saw that. We had two, each one of us had two masks on. Um, yeah. You told me. Well, I didn't tell our listeners. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's no way you can social distance with like, Maybe a hundred thousand people around you. <laughs> right. Um, so, give us give us the highlights. The highlights were, you know, being in Lafayette Park or being across the street from the White House, like right. You know, well, my understanding is the fence is now yeah, fence on is basically on H Street. Yeah. So, so like, not, you can't. So you're you're not actually you're abutting Lafayette. Right. Park. We're we're not in the park. You can't get right. into the park. But we were right. at the church, like you know. Can, Days after people were tear gassed. Do they so still have the long line of like park police and secret service and whomever lining were, the yeah, in the park? Yeah. Well, the park was fenced off. Yeah. And you can see sort of troop movements behind the fence. Right. Like on the grounds. Right. And on the grounds of the White House or the well, grounds of the Lafayette on the Square? Of the park and like uh-huh. going to and from the White House. Yeah. So they certainly, they, it felt like, you know, they were fortifying the right. the grounds. Well, I saw in the news they were fortifying the fencing, which is eight or nine feet high yeah. with yeah. Jersey barriers. So you couldn't push it over because the first night they had it there, there was, they, they, they show, were showing people and they were able to push on it. So now you can't even push on it. Yeah. Apparently. But nobody, nobody on Saturday was trying to Doing push that, on the yeah. barriers. You know, it was, it was not. Violent, not threatening. Like it was. Well, that's one of the. Go ahead. It was just the people, like you know, of all ages, of all colors, of all creeds, yeah. of everything, except you know, fascists, unless they were in disguise. I'm sure there were some of them. <laughs> right. But nobody was causing trouble. People were just there to you know to voice their support uh, against police violence and for civil rights and for human rights I, and for Black Lives. Like it was, it was pretty awesome. I think one of the thi- one of the things about days eleven and twelve, yeah, uh, and thirteen of the protests is something that when you were watching it on television, you can immediately intuit, which was that the very heavy police presence was the thing that was escalating a lot of these things. Yeah, you know, the the police were were seeing this as 
in, in many departments, most departments, 99% as, as something to be confronted rather than just allow these people walk down the streets, air their very legitimate grievances and their demands as in, you know, their protected constitutional rights, but instead as an occupying force that, you know, they acted as an occupying force to put down otherwise peaceful demonstrations. Right. And then once they were pulled back on days 11, 12, and 13, or 12 and 11 and 12, right. it became immediately peaceful everywhere. Well, here's the thing. I, I was listening to the, the Daily podcast yeah. today, and they yeah. were talking about the protests in New York and the police yeah. violence against the protests in New York. Yeah. So really, it was Sunday and Monday nights here where there was like the... the more, of last week. Of, of last week, right, where there was uh, right. more of the looting and the, the damage done to property. And during right. those two nights, apparently the police weren't really doing very much. Yeah. But it was on the following two nights where the police were in, were actively uh, inciting right. the, the protesters. Right. There's the been a number of harrowing accounts written about being in New York on that night. Yeah. So, so the protesters and the leaders of the protests were, were telling... The, the people not to engage with the police, not to engage in violence. If you come here for violence or to cause damage, get get out of here. Basically, right. and I've heard those messages because I was at some of those rallies earlier in the day. Yeah. And in every single one right. of them, they're like, do not, if you're, if you came here to cause trouble, get the fuck out. And they say it like that, get the fuck out. But right. It was, right. And apparently it was in Brooklyn a few nights ago, I think Monday night. Where the police just went nuts, like they yeah, trapped. Yeah, it was Monday night. They trapped the protesters and they wouldn't let them get out. And then they On just three started. Sides, yeah. And then they just started attacking them. Right. And yep. You know, I think De Blasio did a yep. really bad job here. A really bad mm-hmm. job with the, with the cops. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, De Blasio has like no supporters. Like the people on the left hate him. The people on the right hate him. Right. He has like zero. And it's been like that. It's not even a new thing. No, no, it's not a new thing. But he really is unpopular and he's really doing a crappy job. So, in comparison to Muriel Bowser, yes. the mayor of DC, yeah. who's just like. She's sticking it to Trump. Like, she's. Oh my the God. She's sticking it to Trump. Way. And she's. Right. And, you know, she's been very vocal about those governors who deployed forces to Washington right. when she didn't request it. Yeah, she, and, that, and there was no need for it. We had 120 Maryland National Guardsmen protecting the monuments. What what threat was there to the monuments? No it was absolutely outrageous. So, outrageous. So that goes back to your original point about you know all these uh, armed forces protecting you know the the grounds, and when we were there on Saturday. We saw a lot of people with DEA stenciled on the back of yeah. their vests. Like, what the hell is the DEA doing in Washington, D.C.? Well, we discussed this, didn't we? We, the, we did. Look, the CBP, the Customs and Border Protection, yeah. the DEA, the Bureau of Prisons, all of these workforces are unionized. They're very pro-Trump. Yeah. And in a change of administration and in a complete, you know, if the Senate were to flip and the Democrats to hold the House – these are agencies that will be uh, face considerable restructuring going forward. And, and so they have every reason to be supportive of the president. That's the problem with Absolutely. these kinds of police Absolutely units. Right. So they are loyal. They're Trump loyalists. These troops. Think about this. Yeah. And you and I did talk about it the other day. I think it was on Friday. You know, not on the show, but 
right. between ourselves, as we often do. He has his own forces. He has forces that are loyal to right. him. Right. Can you imagine saying that in the United about the United States? Right. That that we have troops that are loyal to the president and not loyal to the country. <laughs> it's 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 it is shocking. It is shocking. It's like it's like um, what you have. I'm not making a direct comparison at all, but yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, in the countries that I work on, yeah. there are multiple security forces on purpose with loyalties in order to check each other and can be called upon when the military in some of these cases is neutral or above the uh, above politics or has been depoliticized and defunded, yeah. they can be called upon to protect the leader, essentially Praetorian guards. And that's in a, in a, in a broadly abstract way what the deployment of 300 Customs and Border yeah. Protection officers, 300 DEA agents, and 300 guys from the Bureau of Prisons from Texas and California, of all places, not wearing any insignia That's the scary whatsoever. thing, right? Non-identifiable right. troops. I mean, those guys actually could have been the Boogaloo boys, and they, these guys who want a civil war. Listen. Although they're very anti-police and anti-law enforcement. They're anti-police, so. but they're not anti-toppling the government. Right. Um, and right. I wonder, though, about the Venn diagram between military folks and Boogaloo boys, because it's not well, large, a, but there's certainly an overlap. There's certainly an effort on the part of Boogaloo boys to recruit yep. for guys who have military military training. But it is, I mean, these are, these were, last week were very frightening days because of beginning with the use of two senior U.S. military figures as political props, the attack by numerous American security forces on peaceful protesters, yeah. the president's crazy, the crazy walk through oh Lafayette God. Square. Did, did you um, see – go ahead. Keep going. And, 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 and the, just the kind of untethering of law enforcement from allegiance to the Constitution and 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 – Bound by civilian, bound not civilian, bound by law. Well, and to the very and notion the, and of the clear, protecting and, and the clear signal that they're loyal to a leader, right? And the very notion of them protecting the public, right? And what's and what's interesting is there's this gray area, right, where the president and the attorney general, in particular, are operating, where they are. You know, it can raise questions in the minds of otherwise well-meaning military officers and law enforcement officers whether or not these are legal or illegal orders. And for a military officer in particular to declare an order illegal is a really, really big deal. Right. So as long as there's this gray area, I think the tendency is to want to defer to the civilian leadership, which is one of the great things about uh, our, our system. But you have someone as stupid as Mark Esper as the Secretary of Defense and someone as stupid as the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark uh, Milley, and demonstrating poor judgment. And they looked like, you know, this was some, you know, potentate and his and his loyal forces. It was really, really frightening it to see all that go down last week. It is frightening. Did you see, though, that the Trump administration is going to throw a bar under the bus for making the decision to clear to clear the square? 
Look, I think um, we've seen this before, though, where Barr kind of maneuvers around to kind of preserve him. But it's all I don't know. Until He's a dangerous man. A dangerous really, man. I mean, we talk about Trump being a fascist, but really Barr? He is part of a – Barr is part of a, a clique of legal scholars, conservative Christian legal scholars, who it's clear have no – real commitment to principles of democracy. None whatsoever. That is such a scary concept. Like the there's a, there's general guy. of the United States. We're not talking about some random you law know, professor somewhere, right. Some law professor who's sitting in a think tank somewhere. This guy right. is the attorney general. And the way he lied during his confirmation hearings. I mean, he just put one over. I mean, there was no chance he wasn't going to get confirmed given the power, balance of power. But he was closely questioned by a number of Democratic senators. And you have people like Sheldon Whitehouse say, well, you know, I'm satisfied, you know, whatever. And it was just absolute outrageous. Well, did you see yesterday he claimed that uh, tear gas is not... Tear gas isn't tear gas? It's not a chemical weapon. (laughs) Until you see the DOJ guidelines... (laughs) <laughs> where it's explicitly written that it that tear right. gas is a chemical agent. Right. So it felt like you remember that movie that John Grisham, uh, the Rain Rainmaker, with Matt Damon. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they were looking for that um, that folder with the missing section, right? <laughs> where it says deny every claim. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, where is that section X? He's like, oh, it doesn't exist. It's like, oh yeah, here it is. It's the same thing. It's like, here's the DOJ, here's your binder, and here's where it says <laughs> that uh, chem- right. that tear gas is a chemical weapon. And he went on TV yesterday and said, well, tear gas isn't a chemical weapon. Well, think about think about how we gas our own people. Right. They've turned the DOJ into a, a predatory agency rather than an upholder of law. It's it, crazy. It is above the law and predatory. At least Barr and his the people around him. It's it's true. I mean, these are like very scary days. I mean, the the only thing the only thing that really has has kept me going. Yeah. And let's set aside what Mattis and all the generals. Let me, because as much as that made people feel better, the fact that we have gotten to that point. Here's the thing, and I yeah, these, I mean, it's great that Mattis came out and said that, but he served this guy for over a right. year. Why wasn't he doing more when he had the job well, to stop this from happening? Again, these are questions that you know History were asked when Mattis's been. book yeah. came out and all that kind of, and that he for what for whatever his reasons. But the fact that we have gotten to that point where Admiral Mike Mullen and Mattis and all these guys are coming out and saying, you know, this has to stop You're right. politicizing the force and so on. That to me suggests how far we've gone in the wrong direction. My Lord, we're we're so. I mean, to say we've gone in the wrong direction, like this is this podcast. That's all we ever talk about, right? Is how far in the wrong direction so we've gone. The only thing that seems to me that's really been keeping me going is. Every time I turn on the television, every time I text with you, every time there are protests going on around the country, right? You have been out in the streets, what, like almost every day for the last 10 days? Yeah, pretty much. Um, The the white people have not lost interest and said, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Um, Other things have happened and the pressure has kept up. I'm afraid, though. You know, we we were feeling – 
We were feeling bereft. Lauren and I went back and forth. Should we go downtown? Should we meet up with Brad and the kids? You know, what should we do? Back and forth, back and forth. Ultimately, we decided we were too nervous to do it, but we wanted to do something. So we, Lauren got in touch with my buddy, my buddy Gretchen and her husband, Mike, who live across the way. And we said, why don't we invite some folks over for uh, a candlelight vigil for racial justice? And... No, this is like our little neighborhood. We're expecting 25, 35 people to show up maybe. We got like 250 people and paraded through the neighborhood, went up to the elementary school and took a knee and had a moment of silence. Like people are engaged in ways that they weren't when Eric Garner originally said, I can't breathe. That's true. Or like Michael Ferguson, uh, what's his name? Who was killed in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, God, I can't believe. uh, What's his name? Uh, you know what? There have been so many people. So many. By the and, and we're, you know, we were transfixed by the images on television, but there wasn't a pro, there wasn't a sustained protest. And now you have people from all walks driven by young people, driven by Jordan, people Jordan's Michael age. Michael Brown, sorry. Michael Brown, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Driven by people Jordan's age. You had kids Maddie's age assaulted on the Capitol Crescent Trial because they were hanging up Black Lives Matters things. People are engaged. So that, Hopefully, well, and we were we were walking yesterday, and people were saying, you know, we need to do this every week until November, it's, and thereafter, it, you know, what? until we get the kind of criminal justice reform and racial justice in this country. It's the, I'm afraid, God willing, I right? Think I think you're right. Like there were people this weekend felt like you know the apex of this with you know protests that spread all over the country, like you said, in the suburbs. In places that you wouldn't expect, and of course in the cities, Whitefish, Montana. Yeah, but you know, of course in places like New York, Chicago, right, Washington, LA, LA. Washington. But in the small towns and in the suburbs, and you know, that's all great. But I hope, and I really am afraid that people, you know, obviously there are people who are very passionate about this, and and I believe that everybody who came out you know, in theory, believes in racial equity and social justice and wants and now have come around to Black Lives Matter. Right. But I don't want this to be like a fashion thing for some people where they just show up and then they figure, well, this is it. And I did my part and now I'm done. Like, and I kind of feel today it's like a little bit less than it was last week. Yeah, and I don't want that to disappear because we so much has happened in those right. 10, 11, 12 days. So much on right. a cultural level, like even when you take into account that stupid thing that Drew Brees said last week about right. about you know not understanding people who won't take, who take a knee and not respecting that, and then he turned around, he did a one eighty because right. he got schooled. Because right. people like LeBron James and, and other teammates of, of Breeze, they got into his face and they said, listen, your grandparents' experience fighting World War II and coming home was not the same as ours. Same. Right. So, and, and this then, has nothing to do with disrespecting exactly, the flag. Exactly. And so he turned around on that. Right. And the NFL. Well, so. The, the NFL said we were wrong. Right? right. So all of a sudden, and now we're talking about in Minneapolis, they're going to change policing. Like, right. what does this mean? It means that what we've been doing has been working. It right, works. you can't lose momentum. So if you, you can't lose momentum, now, and you can't let the right seize 
sees things like defund the police to delegitimize it. Because defund the police means something different from the way in which they're going to portray it. Of course it does, but it's the same. It's it's actually, in ways, you can see it as, in ways you can see it as leaving policing to actual police work and taking some of that money to social services, which so many of the people who get caught up in the criminal justice system are people who actually are in need of social services, not the criminal justice system. Well, that's why I posted today. Stop defunding education. Right. Because that's also part of it. We are so willing to defund education that year after year, we come back with a budget and and education gets cut. Right. And everybody just learned, has learned to live with it and accept it. Right. In my kids, in my kids public school, when Jordan was in elementary school, one year they said, well, we have to get rid of the library here because we don't have enough money for it. So in a school like Jordan's and in a school like where Talia and Mia went for elementary and where Mia and Talia went for middle school, they have active PTAs and wealthy parent bodies. Of course. So they can make that up. They never, you know, I don't know about the library, which shut down, but in other instances, the parents make up that shortfall. Right. And when you live in a neighborhood where the parents aren't as engaged and aren't right. as able to make the monetary uh, com- contribution to helping the public schools, right. they, then they the public lose. schools fail. But year yeah. after year, we defund public schools, yet nobody is out there on the barricades screaming, stop defunding public schools. Right. And guess what? And, and just in New York, this I was stunned by this. What is the budget for the NYPD? It's like $6, six billion. billion. Yeah, $6 billion. Yep. So now de Blasio... Now, granted, it's a huge city. It's the largest police department in the country. $6 billion. Yeah. Wow. And you know, There's got to be a better way to do these things. There's just got to be a better they, way. You know what? Again, they picked the slogan, defund the military, the police, right? But yeah. you could choose any other thing and say, like, hey, how about... Exactly what they de- mean. How about demilitarizing the police, right? Right. Police don't need tanks. No. Police are not occupying forces in our cities, right. and they shouldn't. That's right. And just what happened to the Barney Fife? I prefer him over some guy who's, like, jacked out to take down Baghdad. Do you know that this, but I will say that the militarization of the police has been a bipartisan effort for 20 years. There's no question. But it started in 1997 where excess defense articles got distributed to police forces. Like these guys would get like, uh, it was like, you know, a, a, a catalog of the crap that was cast off from the military for policing America's streets. What? And that only picked up post 9-11. What did that... So every police force decided, oh, I could get a tank. I could get this. I can get that. What, did that. what the fuck? What did that radical socialist pacifist Eisenhower warn us about <laughs> right. when he left office? The military-industrial complex. Yeah. Wait, what party was he in? He was a Republican. Oh, that's right. He was a Republican. <laughs> and he warned about the military-industrial complex in 1960. Right? Yeah. That's so. almost 60 years ago, and it's only grown exponentially since right. then. And like right. you said, now we have all of these weapons, and what are we going to do with them? Well, right. we sell them a lot overseas, 
And whatever right. we don't sell overseas, let's just sell to the police departments here. Right. And they can patrol the darker neighborhoods and keep people under right. their thumb. And that's it what's was am- been going on. It was amazing. The first night of first or second night of protests in I mean virtually everywhere, but in places like Atlanta and Dallas, they showed up in tanks and full like Kevlar and it was crazy. And then of course we go through this violent spasm. And then the police kind of get hip to it and they say, okay, you know, if we just walked along with folks and didn't act like assholes uh, collectively as douchebags yeah. and didn't try to stop people, like everybody's like, I was watching this confrontation. I can't remember what city it was. It might have been a city in Texas or yeah. protest. They wanted to turn the corner and go down a certain street. And the cops stood there in a line backed up by National Guard with all the gear and so on and so forth. And I was like, if they just let them walk down the street. I mean, what are they doing? There, there, there wouldn't be any problem. Last I didn't understand. Why stop them? Just allow them to go. That's why the protesters say, whose streets? Our streets. These are our right. streets. These Completely are our employees. Insane. These are our employees. They work for us. We pay them. We pay the salaries. Well, of course, these the the unions make them impugn. Uh, you know, the the police federations. They're not really unions in the in the sense yeah. that we think of a union. These police federations and associations are basically political action committees. Which and, they don't need to exist. Certainly not and, in this form. How many right, times have you gotten a call from the police benevolent society asking for a donation? Don't give it to them. I don't give them anything because I'm like the last time I checked, you guys have salaries and pensions. Why do you need my money? What do you need more from me? I pay taxes already. What do you? Right. Why are you calling me and soliciting me? Because it's a political money? action committee to ensure their impunity. Yeah, fuck them. Exactly. I mean, in New York, it's really bad. In New York, it's horrible. In Minneapolis, we discussed this. It's the guy who everywhere. runs this in Minneapolis is like straight out of central casting yeah. of like evil cop kind of thing. So. I don't know. I think you. I put. I think you put your finger on it. Like momentum can must be sustained. It cannot shift into the into the direction of the 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 narrative that you can see emerging, where the right uses defund the police to try to scare people. What seems, at least at this moment, yeah. in the first weekend of June, is that people don't seem to be afraid of that. Look, I live in the suburbs. I live in Montgomery County, Maryland. For all of its ex- liberalism and so on and so forth. When things are happening downtown, social justice things, people are like, oh, I have to go to the dry cleaner. Oh, there's sure. soccer practice Nobody and so on up. and so forth, right? People showed up last night. Yeah, okay, but they can't just And they show said, up let's once. do this again but and again. And like, because we were worried about social distancing, we, you know, we got like emails from other community associations. We want to join you. And there was a whole debate, like how many people we should have and da 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 And like, People want this to continue. It's gotta continue. But the, I mean, but that's so one thing I'm hopeful of. Everything that, else, I'm dark and I don't know. Deeply depressed. That's over. the difference, you know. In the suburbs, everybody's a do-gooder, and then but damn, you, know, you just threw that right out. I'm sorry, but everyone's saying like, well, how many people? You know what? When when push comes to shove, people in the cities they were just like, fuck it, man, this is it, enough. Right. I don't care I how it. many people are going out there. I don't care what the risks are. And you know what? Right. I, I thought about this. And one of my friends, because I was posting pictures from the protests that I went to in New York. And yeah. he's like, you know, I'm really worried about a spike in, in COVID-19. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. What are you going to do about it? 
So I wrote, I wrote back, you know, I said, I'm giving this a, a, a lot of thought. And the fact is, I guess this is the hill I'm willing to die on. Right. And, that, that, and it's true. Look, I'm that, going out there it, with masks, like I said, right. and I've got hands it's sanitizer. It's obviously admirable. Actually, to be honest with you, what I was most concerned about, like, you know, I expressed my concern to you about help, yeah. you know, while we're on the phone or something like that. But I just wanted to make sure you got the money from Soros. And so did Jordan and, and, and Talia. Dude, like, you guys should definitely get your money, right? I got the invoice. I sent the invoice. Uh, <laughs> right, good. But I think the thing is, I think the thing with, the thing I'm driving at here out in the burbs is that, yeah, like, people definitely worried about COVID-19 and so on and so forth. But I also think that people weren't satisfied with the hashtag activism and the what That's people fair. are calling the performative activism. Like, I don't, I, I, I think, you know just posting shit on Facebook or tweeting. Yeah. And so that it's isn't enough. enough. I need to get out there and demonstrate my solidarity. And this, and can I do it in a way that's going to make me feel is that's going to be meaningful to me yeah. in my cocoon yeah, with fair. my own concerns and so on and that's so forth. Fair. And yet be meaningful at the same time. And, and you know what? I have to be honest with you. You're watching 250 people parade around the neighborhood, which was awesome and meaningful and fantastic and a demonstration of solidarity. People didn't, it, it, it is hard to socially distance. Yeah. It is. You can see. You can imagine with 10,000 people breathing down here. Right. But the good news is that it's outside. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, so, you know, it is what it is. But so here are look, I can, and I can understand a lot of African-Americans who say, we're hit by two pandemics. Yeah, and they and are. This is and our only recourse. <laughs> there is no justice for us in the justice, criminal justice system. And then, well, again, this, like we how many necks? How many? We have to do this. How many necks have to be stepped on before you just say enough? Right. So enough. Right. So a couple things. One, the other day, I was in. I was at um, Columbus Circle. Yeah. And the leaders of whatever particular march was going on were were talking. And some guy stood up and he said, he's on the steps of one of the statues there. And he said, it's great that you're all out here supporting black lives. He's like, but if you want to continue to support black lives, come to our businesses, patronize right. our businesses, show right. up, help us out. Like show right. us that you care about the community in more ways. Like we're right. grateful that you're out here marching with us and we see you as right. allies and you are our allies, but show us every right. day. That right. you're committed to us. And and you know what? Again, going going this is not a conversation between Brad who lives in the city and Steven who lives in the right. suburbs. But one of the things that's that you know people have done in DC in, in the suburbs is what are the minority owned businesses in Montgomery County? And so like lists of restaurants, yeah. lists of ice cream places, lists sure. of bookstores, lists of uh, coffee places and stuff like that. And so, you know. People are exactly. That's something people are do. doing that. They're That's something going you can there do every day, every day, every single day, but, or regularly. Like you know. So so again, I'm still worried that people sort of shot their collective load this weekend, and uh -huh. they think that they're done, and that these things are just going to slowly dissipate. And maybe some of it will have to do with you know right. the right wing trying to portray this as a defund the cops and let anarchy reign and blah blah blah. But it's more, I don't know. I was in, you obviously you remember uh, the Arab Spring of 2011. Heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I think you've, you've heard of it, right? You, you may yeah. have heard of it once or twice. Passing. Yeah. yeah. 
in passing, yeah. Uh, and you were in there in February in Egypt when the whole thing started. You were January, there. yeah. January, sorry, my fault. Yeah. You were there. So you saw it with your own eyes, what the protest could do. Unfortunately, now, 10 years later almost, you see right. how little of an effect it had in the scheme of things. Now, right. Now, when, when I went to Israel that summer, they had their own version of the Arab Spring. Yeah, they had the social, sure. the social justice protests, right. which to me was kind of weird because there was no discussion of the occupation at all. And I'm like, <laughs> how can we talk about any of these issues without addressing the elephant in the room? Like, <laughs> which to me showed that it was destined to fail. Because, sure, you can talk about how expensive apartments are in Tel Aviv and how difficult right. it is for young people. But there are economic there are economic reasons for that because all of the money is going to subsidize settler homes in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Right. But what struck me, and we spent you know we spent a couple of weeks in Israel, and I spent a lot of time going down to where the protest tents were and just talking with people. But it became really clear to me pretty quickly that most of the people who were there, it was because it was the summer and it was nice out mm -hmm. and people right. were hanging right. out and playing guitar right. and drinking beer and getting high. <laughs> right. And as soon as September 1st rolled around and college started, everybody got busy. Everybody right. would leave. And they right. had this massive rally in Tel Aviv right. where I think they had like 450,000 people, which is huge for a country of seven and yeah. a half, eight million people. And then everybody went uh -huh. home, and school started, right. and university so, started, and that was it. There's a couple things. One, I mean, as someone who's recently written that Lafayette Square was, is, you know, uh, Tahrir Square, there is obviously that danger that, you know, this ebbs, uh, you know, because the, you have this big climactic moment, and then people get... Uh, get distracted yeah, and so on and so forth. I do think that obviously huge differences for as bad as things have gotten here, there remains recourse here. And a couple of things. And, and another friend of mine expressed to me her concern that if there was no COVID in, in, a, in a weird way, if there was no COVID-19, there would, the, the protests wouldn't be as big because people would True. have to go to work True. and so on and so forth and Very whatever. True. But I, I do think that, you know, you can maintain momentum in, in a different way that, first of all, from, you know, we're already planning our next uh, neighborhood vigil for, for racial justice. And everything I can tell from the, from the planning that's just gone on in the less than 24 hours since the first one finished, it's going to be it's going to be bigger that people continue to be motivated. Of course, it's the summer and we're still in a stay at home order here yeah. in, in Montgomery County and so on and so forth. Yeah. But then there's other ways. So last night I was identified as one of the organizers of it. And a number of people approached me about getting involved in local organizing, whether it was swing left and so on and so forth. And you can loop people, you can take this kind of sense of mission that people are having right now and try to capture it through some local organizing because nothing's going to actually change until there is local uh, local activism. And I think at this moment, and I think what I'm going to encourage folks from Swing Left and others is to come to some of these things and do some recruiting of people to get involved, not just in terms of donating money, but to actually do you know the hard uh, the hard work. Look, 
I know uh, people who are locked down at home who are sending postcards to people across the country to ensure so they know how to get their ballots by mail so that they know what to do come election time, given the pandemic and stuff like that. So I think that there is there's different there's there's. There's different momentum. There's the being on the barricades. Yeah. There's the street art. There's, you know, the kinds of things that we're starting to see on 16th Street, which I saw in Tahrir Square where, you know, things are happening. And then, it, and then suddenly some climactic moment happens and then it all kind of dissipates. Right. I don't think that the United States is yet at the point where in a, it's like Egypt or Turkey where you can kind of take down these groups in the kind of brutal way. That yeah. they have. There's going to be voter suppression. Well, we There's going to be voter depression. We have, we have an election coming up. So, but we do. We we still have. We still have recourse. And there's other ways to capture this moment of climax. Where okay, perhaps the time to be in the streets for many has passed, but they can still do things yeah. to advance the cause. And I and that's what I'm hoping will really happen. Well, I hope you're right. And let me just make a request of you. Go. Because now that you have been identified as a local leader. <laughs> Not right. an organizer of our okay. little uh, our little vigil. Whatever. I would like. I'm going to request right now. Yeah. That you revisit yes. the taking down or the changing of the street names in your neighborhood. Okay. So okay, this is something I actually wanted to talk to you offline, but I, that now that you mention it, so my buddy Gretchen's husband Mike, yeah, texted me last night. After, you know, we went home and we were, you know, Mike and Gretchen were also organizers of this and we were just so pumped. We were pumped and we were just sort of like, oh my God, you know, we, people really, we were in awe of our neighbors, to be honest with you. And Mike said to me, next thing, we're taking down Jubal early. Yeah. And so when we started organizing this, Lauren posted on our neighborhood message board and there was apparently there was this huge fight going on between a guy who wanted to start doing the process of changing the names of Jubal early and the same people who I clashed with yeah. three years ago making the same kinds of arguments. So now Time my buddy it. Gretchen's yeah. husband, Mike, and I are going to actually do these things on the, where the street signs are with like, you know, setting the historical record straight about who Jubal Early was and what he stood for. Who's the other one in your neighborhood? Jubal Early? Um, um, It's not Stonewall. It's Um, not Stonewall Jackson. It's on, it's on the other side. Yeah, it's it's another Confederate general. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. There's a list of Confederate heroes and of course no union. Um, But here's, so here's what I would suggest because this mm -hmm. might be a, a moment that you can do this. In addition to putting up those signs there, let's get an online petition going in your neighborhood. Right. And if you can present that Jagoff who you had, ex- had that exchange with three years ago with a petition signed by an overwhelming majority right. of the people who live in that neighborhood, right. including people who live on that block or those blocks, right. then you'll have something. And they'll be forced so to what, make a change. So here's the problem. Yeah. I can get... A thousand people to sign this petition, uh-huh. but if there, let's say there's fifteen families that live on Jubal Early, yeah, and only six sign up to change the street name, yeah, street name doesn't change. Why? The the county Montgomery. Look, Montgomery County in the late 1960s. This was a rural, predominantly white county yeah. in cahoots with the developers of the neighborhood 
clearly put up Jubal early as a way to deter African-Americans from buying in this neighborhood. Right. Then the county went ahead and made it virtually impossible to change the names of the streets. If you read the regulations, the obstacles to doing this are extraordinarily high. That's not a reason not to try, and I am certainly going to. Now, the other complication is there's a dividing line. My subdivision is called Regency Estates. A street down is where the subdivision that's called Montgomery Square begins, Uh. and that's where the street is located. So people in Regency Estates, even though it's, you know, a couple hundred feet from us have no can have no say on what the street uh, you know, name is. These people need to be shamed into action. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, yeah, that's one of the things we want to start with. Who, what's the truth about Jubilee? Jeb Stewart is the other one. Jeb Stewart's the other one. Jeb right. Stewart. And that's Jim on the way to Johnny's house. Yeah. So that's I on the way to Johnny's house. Again, I don't care if it's people from Montgomery County, if it's people from Maryland, if it's people from anywhere. Let's get people to sign these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, even and if that's they another say, thing. Like, Sorry, your hands are tied. On the, Make them on the, feel uh, like they are racist. On the neighborhood listserv, it's like people are saying, get out of Montgomery Square. I was <laughs> like, I live down the block. Exactly. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but that, that has to happen. I mean, this is such a small thing, but. We can make this happen. Dude, if they're taking down Robert E. Lee in Richmond, you can change the name exactly. of Jubal Early. I don't know anybody who will be offended by saying, like, oh, Jubal Early means a lot to me because I've been living on this street my whole life. <laughs> you know what? If that means a lot to you, God bless you. You got some fucking right. problems. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. I think our rant We're is ready for the week. And um, we didn't name an asshole of the week yet. Well, I God. I think... I th- I'm going to put this out there. I don't think you'll object, but maybe you will. I think we should yeah. – uh, the, the co-assholes of the week award should go to the police in Buffalo who threw yes. down the protester. And then the 57 other police officers yes. who resigned yes. because – Because those were, guys were disciplined. Because they were against disciplining those officers. So <laughs> They threw down some 75-year-old hippie. <laughs> Who started bleeding? Went. He was in. He was in the intensive care unit. Yeah, he's still not out of the woods. But oh anyway, those guys are all those guys. The Erie, the cops in Buffalo in Erie County who yeah. resigned. Fuck. Because those guys, guys assaulted an elderly man. Fuck you guys, seriously. Fuck you guys is right. All right. All right. We're, We're out. out of here. We're out. <laughs>